Okay, I am getting to the book I said I would get to, Message from the Pleiades, the contact notes of Edouard Billy Meyer. I brought up his background on uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, This book is a privately published, limited first edition with notes by Lieutenant Colonel of the Air Force, retired Wendell Stevens, or Wendell Stevens. Uh, Basically, this is the record of uh, Billy Meyer's account of his interactions with aliens. Now, it has come out that he basically uh, lied about the whole thing. However, um, I do still think it's worth going through because he does bring up some topics about his experiences that I do not think the average ham and egger would be able to get across to other people, Uh, mainly because I think it's just too metaphysical. I think it is too hidden in the uh, fraternal organizations out there and so on and so forth. So he began his experience in November of 1942. Now, remember, he's living in Europe. So in 1942, it's relatively peaceful in Europe, even though it's dominated by the Nazis. Uh, And being that he was, uh, you know, not participating, he was relatively okay. And he started off an experience where he saw a pear-shaped flying object, and it landed on the ground in front of him when he was uh, near the Horrigan Forest, or Horrigan Forest. And out of the object came a very old man, and it took him with him, it took Meyer with him, into the craft, and they were very high above the ground to the point where he almost got dizzy. And the person that took him into that craft, that old man, uh, didn't necessarily say anything, but it was telepathy of a kind. He said that the thought voice of another human being who lived on another world was communicating with me, and this form of telepathy could be exercised over unlimited distances and without impediment except for spiritual blockade. These telepathic contacts turned out to be communications with a human being who called himself Sfath, S-F-A-T-H. So what's important about that is that he brings up the notion that when you are energetically in tune and you are trained in certain aspects of your higher self, for the lack of a better term, then he's right. Distance, time, none of that matters. You can communicate with your past self in order to alter your current state, right? So let's say you went through a bad breakup and you're the person, you're the jerk. So you could do meditative techniques to go, quote unquote, back in time and not be the jerk to heal your present timeline. It's a a little tactic that life coaches have done, uh, and it also requires neuro-linguistic programming and so on and so forth. But the concept remains. And also, he it's essentially saying that human beings do not need technology to communicate with other beings, which is also true. Now, bear in mind, this occurrence, this book, was written in the late 80s, I think. Um, it's got a number of copyrights. You can look it up online. And you can find a number of different editions. This edition is 1988, but the first edition was in 1979. So that's the the timeline we're dealing with here. So just imagine that kind of concept coming out 
around uh, that time period. Late in the summer of 1944, things are getting dicey. He says that he met a strange formation uh, above him that were that were flying around him, and they were metal, not more than five or six meters in diameter, and they were flying in a pearl-like machine. It was a, <clears throat> it eventually landed. A figure stepped out, a very old man inside of a very strange suit. This time he was in sort of a deep-sea diving suit, which was silvery outside, and of which the helmet was missing. So it almost appears as though he is uh, taking us back to Star Trek, uh, when it was more popular with a very thin, tight-fitting suit. But if you go into other mythologies, you find out uh, that if you were to kill a gray alien, you find out that their skin is actually a very, very thin but strong, almost nylon-like suit in order for them to interact in environments that they don't necessarily have the biology to cope with. Uh, so he was taken up in another ship, and in this ship he was sitting down, and he had essentially television screens all over the place. And they claimed that they took him 70 kilometers above the planet Earth whilst he was looking through all of these view screens. So that's the background. That's his first interaction with all of this, which brings us to his first real transmission from from what he would eventually come to uh, claim he was in communication with over a number of years. The first transmission occurred in January of 1975. Uh, and let's see what happens here. Oh, I hope everyone is sitting down. Um, he was driving uh, near a forest, and all of a sudden he heard a stirring. From out of the clouds, an object came. And it flew in complete silence. It was a disc-like object. The upper dome was some larger than the base and was equipped with red, high-placed rectangles if he saw it correctly. The lower side of the disc seemed to vibrate as though it were alive. It looked like little waves running continuously in and through the underside of the ship by which the skin appeared damaged and old. So what does that sound like to me? Assuming he's telling the truth, because we're trying to get truth from fiction here, it sounds as though it could be electrolyzed mercury. If you look up on whatever you want, Rumble, YouTube, however you like it, um, and you see what happens to mercury when it's put through or has electricity put through it, it sounds a lot like this, and it looks a lot like that. Mercury is very fluid, and it actually starts to circulate so it sounds stunningly similar to that solid matter seemed to dissolve in the radiations of the waves uh, that emitted from it the truck looked like it was enveloped in heat waves so this thing is emitting some thing some kind of energy that made the vision of it look distorted so he eventually tries to walk toward it after it lands he claims there was a great power to check my progress so he couldn't move forward. I was buckling or I was bucking the winds of a silent storm or against an opposite poled magnet. So in other words, he tried to walk forward, couldn't do it. Almost sounds like sleep paralysis. And that's also where you get um, a lot of stories of people being abducted and not being able to move. From behind the object, a figure appeared, obviously a human being, a cosmic suit, 
something like that used by our Earth astronauts, except it wasn't as clumsy, and it also seemed to be very pliant and light, and it had the texture of elephant skin. Around the neck of the suit ran a ring, which evidently served as a mounting for a helmet, and there was a long-haired UFO knot. That's what he called them. Uh, And there was nothing indicating superhumanness, pretentiousness or spirituality she just seemed to be a normal human being without super ability or super beauty she simply looked like a quite normal female creature though she was devilish devilishly attractive hubba 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 maybe he's getting a little chub when he's looking at her and she just walked like a woman with natural self-consciousness self-confidence and easy natural grace and then she started to speak to him in perfect german uh, we have a lot of stories like that. Um, if you go back and read some of the, the accounts from Roswell, remember the big old Roswell crash? Uh, they've got German language on gearboxes in the wreckage. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is that if this thing that crashed in Roswell was in fact some kind of alien craft, one, why do they know German? Two, why do they have gearboxes like a normal car in the 1940s? I thought this was supposed to be some interdimensional, interplanetary traveling craft that can go pole to pole in the matter of minutes, and it suddenly has gearboxes with German writing all over it? I don't think so. Okay, so he continues on. Shortly before starting the ship, below and to the sides of it, everything merged together in a strong heat wave, which seemed to dissolve the environment and the contours of all of the objects. The distances seemed to be alternate, and everything gave the impression of being distorted. Um, and uh, he eventually rises up and starts interacting with this chick that he has a big old crush on. And so there's a lot in here that talks about, um, you know, what his job is. And so they chose him and so on and so forth. Uh, and then they finally get to some interesting stuff. In truth, we are human beings like Earth humans, uh, but our knowledge and wisdom is superior as well as our technology. Even if man would reach the moon by his missiles, he has not reached cosmic space. Space and time are not overcome by space and time, but by spacelessness and timelessness. Space and time collapse into one another and become equally directional to zero time. Now, does this sound like the writings of a normal Hamanegger that basically worked as a night security guard? that eventually was potentially forced to admit that he faked all of this? If he faked all of this, which he may have, who did he know that would allow him to talk about such topics in the way he's portraying them? Uh, there is nothing uh, more to that. Most of the planets and stars are desolate that human life is not even possible there. Other solar systems have a lot of life, and not only human life. The forms of life are various uh, from human to animal. Many of them are rather nasty contemporaries in some places and live in a certain barbarism, uh, which is still worse than yours. So the Earth uh, isn't exactly high on the list of places to visit. Uh, they even have destroyed whole planets or beaten their inhabitants into barbarous bondage. Uh, this is one of our missions to warn Earth humans of these creatures. More and more, the time approaches when a conflict with these becomes 
unavoidable. Above everything, there remains but one that possesses the power of life and death over each creature. This is creation, laws which are irrefutable and of eternal validity. The human being can recognize them in nature when he troubles himself to do so. So that's a lot, a lot to really contemplate there. Once again, I contest that a normal ham and egger, a normal strap hanger, a lunch bucket Pete that just goes to and from his security guard job with one arm, by the way, because uh, Mr. Meyer lost an arm, um, sounds very esoteric here. So not only is he talking about different planets, but they supposedly are here because they're trying to warn average humans that there is a conflict coming and there are barbarous beings on this planet that are trying to subjugate it. And we shouldn't fall for it. God is not the creation, but as well only a creature of creation, they said. So that is another little wrinkle that they try to get you to contemplate here, is that there is a universal, interdimensional, intradimensional force that is beyond even what we would consider God. So that is a very, very interesting topic because if you do a lot of past life regression, if you read a lot of books on that kind of topic, uh, Rosicrucians, um, the, the Gnostic texts that I went through that time, um, you get that same kind of concept. Even in ancient Egyptian mythology, the first thing that is in the universe is nothing, is no thing. The first thing is no thing. And then all of a sudden, out of no thing becomes two things. So now you've got one, and now you've got two, which ultimately means you've got third, because you can't have two unless you have something to support those two. So it's a very interesting concept. That third is the idea of creation. What we would consider to be God is that one or two thing that's split out of the no thing in ancient Egyptian mythology. Um, they continue along, take possession. It may also happen that they, the bad theys, take possession of Earth humans, bring these into their spaceship, they're talking about abductions now, and examine them carefully with instruments and conduct a most detailed study of their anatomy, but they let these humans go again without exception. However, quite barbarous creatures also travel through the cosmos and come to Earth, many being power-hungry and wicked. They kidnap Earth humans. Um, all you have to do is look up David Icke, look up Adrenochrome, uh, look up how many children per year go missing in the United States, look at the trafficking issue that Barack Obama allowed to flourish, look at what Donald Trump did to squash that trafficking issue, and now you know why they hate him so much. Um, so... These beings come down here and they capture humans, abduct them, take them to the home planet, lead a life of exhibition, and become objects of experimentation. Also validates a lot of other abduction stories. Uh, and what else do we have here? Feelings and other human characteristics are movements are very strange to them because these beings do not exhibit emotions in the way that we exhibit them. So think of them as insects or reptiles, right? Well, maybe a reptile. Maybe you can get along with a reptile. You know, if you look at an iguana and he's happy to see you, he bobs his head and all that stuff. Um, but an insect getting along with uh, a praying mantis? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so on the third contact, 
with uh, Mr. Meyer. They say, we just have an obligation in duty to preserve the existing life already developing in the universe. We endeavor to keep order and to control certain life, and we open contacts with inhabitants of different worlds, search out single ones of them, and give them explanations. And then they even go into uh, what happened when they tried to do that with teachers like Buddha and Jesus and so on and so forth. They end up, uh, the, the regular humans end up going after them. Uh, so let's see what else. Uh, there's, I think that's, I think, oh, you know what? I'll leave it at this. Um, now, nah, you know what? I'm going to stop it there because the next section is a little bit lengthy and it goes into how humans should potentially think to alter the timeline and that's just i'm already 17 minutes in and this is podcast number two for the day so uh you're just going to have to suffer with that and then i'll maybe bring this up uh again or continue with this uh tomorrow or um, next week or something like that. But I will get through the book because there are very, very complex metaphysical topics in this book for it supposedly being false and just conjured up in the wild imaginations of Mr. Meyer. So that was part one of Message from the Pleiades, your book on tape read by Chris Michaels of The Last Call podcast.